Welcome to Elevate Your Eight. Thank you for downloading this week's episode. I'm Chris McPeak. I'm your host, and I have a really amazing guest this week, Heidi Luera from Raw Artists here in Los Angeles. She is going to talk about what it was like to build a multi-million dollar business from the ground up. And she's also going to talk about her new book, The Work of Art. It's not super new, but it's pretty new. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about that process. I really enjoyed this conversation. She is a no-nonsense business woman um, who has really uh, built everything that she has from the ground up. And it's a very impressive story. And she is giving us copies of her book for those folks who want to enter the giveaway. There's two ways you can do that. So way number one would be to go to chrismcpeak.com forward slash Heidi, and you can enter there. Or you can leave me a delightful rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Then I want you to screenshot that bad boy and post it on Instagram and tag me at Christmas Peak, K-R-I-S-M-A-S-P-E-A-K. And we will pick some winners from there. So I think I'm going to need two copies of the book. So uh, chrismcpeak.com forward slash Heidi or write me a rating and review, screenshot it, Tag me on Instagram, and our interview with Heidi is next. You're listening to the Elevate Your 8 podcast, where we firmly believe that time management and productivity is just a matter of simple mathematics and prioritization. Productivity guru and self-care ninja Chris McPeak will debunk your biggest time management limiting beliefs. It's time to hear from everyday people like you sharing their tips and strategies for success and learning how to incorporate small changes in your life in order to make the most of every hour in your day. If you're ready to prioritize, synthesize, and realize your daily needs and wants, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, podcaster, and wannabe 200 breaststroke national champion, Chris McPeak. All right. Hello, Elevators. My guest today is the amazing Heidi Luera. She is the founder and CEO of Raw Artists, I believe is the name. And she's also just published a book called The Work of Art, I believe is also the title. Heidi, welcome to Elevate Your Eight. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we're both from, well, you're from LA. I'm not from LA, um, but we both live in LA. Let's talk a little bit about how everything got started for you with raw artists, with the book. Um, You were a fashion designer for a while too, I think. So yeah, let's lay it all out there. Yeah, I'm actually originally from Northern California. Got it, Um, right. I was born in the Bay Area. We had a giant earthquake sometime in the early 90s. My mom freaked out and moved us to a very small town in very Northern California. We're talking like two hours from the Portland border. <laughs> We're, I'm sorry, the Oregon border, not Portland. I don't think you can Portland. get any more north in California than that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much up there. It's called Redding, so that's where I grew up. I also- uh, I know where Redding is. I worked at Chico for almost two years. No way. Well, yes, way. From that's where my roots are. Yeah. Um, oh, talk about hot summers. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. They yeah. were bad. Yeah. It at least gets to the hottest place on earth at least once a summer. And it's- I I would agree. Yes. So that's, I lived there and went to part of elementary school, junior high, high school there. I also lived in Australia randomly for a year, somewhere in there, and then moved back. But 
Um, yeah, so I started there and basically, as soon as I graduated high school, I knew that I absolutely wanted to um, become a fashion designer. It was my dream since I was a young kid. Um, so three months after high school graduation, said peace out, moved to LA, moved into a garage, <laughs> the cheapest it. place I could find. Um, <laughs> and basically, yeah, uh, survived on chili beans and rice cakes and $8 an hour while I was kind of upstarting myself in Los Angeles. So, and I've lived here now for, I think going on, oh, 18 years or I'm sorry, 16 years. Okay. So it's home. It's the place that I've lived the longest. So yeah, I'm with you there. So um, talk a little bit about what it, what it was like to be in the fashion world. I imagine it was a lot of long hours, um, a lot of super, super busy warm days too, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So yes, about a year and a half, two years after I arrived in LA, I uh, started a clothing line and it was an interchangeable trims line, kind of for young tweens almost. Mm -hmm. um, and I started trying to sell it anywhere that would let me have a space to pop up. Um, the only place that I knew that was approachable that I felt ready for was a swap meet. So I started <laughs> at swap meets. Um, but I also got a really lucky break um, working at a suit shop. I was measuring a gentleman for a tuxedo and um, his wife and I got to talking and she happened to be in the fashion industry and said she was opening up a contemporary women's sportswear showroom. I had zero clue what that really meant, but I was super <laughs> excited and I was like, I will work for free if you could just teach me everything you know. Um, so she gave me her card and next thing you know, I'm interning at 19 in the fashion district, which most people have to go to school and like, you know, yeah. So I got super lucky. She made me lie about my age. She made me tell everyone I was 23. Oh, no. <laughs> because it was just like, it was too young for me to be there. I looked like I was 12. So that was the funny thing. Oh, but wow. um, so, yeah, so I got a little taste of the fashion industry pretty early on, had my own clothing line, um, would stay up nights sewing until my fingers bled, you know, working on it on top of, and then I was also I was working at the showroom, I was maid, I was cocktail server, <laughs> I was going to school, I was just all over the place all the time. So that's kind of how my origin started is I, I already, I always knew that this is what I wanted to do with my life and I made it happen somehow. <laughs> but being a fashion designer kind of sprang me into this next um, chapter because when I realized there wasn't an approachable entity to go to to showcase my work sure well, if I wanted to go direct to consumer outside of a swap meet it was pretty bleak there wasn't really anything like it in Los Angeles at the time so I decided to start my own showcase just fashion music and art showcase and I thought it was going to be a one-time thing didn't think much of it other than this is for me and my friends we all pitched in a little bit of money Host of the show and about 750 people showed up and then people came to me in droves afterwards wanting to participate in the non-existent next showcase. <laughs> <laughs> so for so, those of us that aren't as familiar with that world, talk, talk a little bit about what happens at a showcase event like that. Yeah, it is, you know, 
yeah, it's hard to explain verbally. I feel like people officially get it when they see it in person, but I'll try and walk you through it. Because <laughs> we're unlike anything else. We're very unique in the sense that no one, you know, there are definitely art shows, there are fashion shows, there are craft shows. Right. But it's rare for all those things to kind of be in one place at one time. So essentially we are, if you walked into a Robin, you would see a pop-up art gallery and there would be visual artists, photographers, sculptors. Um, our newest creative category is technology. So we have we're starting to have projection artists and things of that nature oh, wow. and video game design. Yeah. Nice. Um, so you'd see the pop-up art gallery. There's also hair and makeup artists, which we consider artists um, that, you know, they don't get to do what they want to do a lot. They have to normally create for clients or according to somebody else's vision. So typically they feature their hair and makeup, very avant-garde style a lot of the time. Um, and we have these pedestals that they kind of pose on. That's cool. Um, yeah. And then we will have live music that will be happening on the stage simultaneously, two to three live bands. And then we will have anywhere from five to seven fashion shows that kind of cap the night. Uh, we also have accessory vendors and handmade crafters kind of throughout as well. So it's an, an immersive experience of all things creative. <laughs> um, it sounds amazing. It sounds like sort of a mashup of all your like, I don't know, favorite visual and, and uh, musical things to participate in. Like I'm remembering when I used to work in, in trade shows, the summers that I would go to Chicago and hang out with my stepmom. And I worked the consumer electronics show every year. It was quite something to like go be on the floor and get familiar with all the new stuff. But at the same time, I'm picturing your event with like a band in the background and some really amazing um, hair and makeup people kind of doing their thing. And that's what's, I mean, you're right. probably, are you in a given, are you in the convention center? Like, where do you do these? Oh no. <laughs> Um, we are in typically live music venues that seem okay. to be best to kind of accommodate everyone that we nice. showcase. Um, so we have a partnership with Live Nation and we're in a lot of like House of Blues and things of that nature. Um, everywhere is a little bit different. Sometimes we're in larger nightclubs that are just kind of serve as a shell, but we take over the entire space and bring everything in and take it all away when it's oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're, you don't have one like standing place that you go to you, you're a traveling show sort of. No, we actually out of our U S office. So we're located all over the U S and every major metropolitan city that you can think of. <laughs> um, we're in Australia, Canada, and we just launched in Mexico last year. And essentially we, um, we have 12 showcases a month in the United States that are scattered all over the States and kind of where every city sees us um, quarterly on a quarterly okay. rotation. Um, but yeah, we produce a lot of showcase events out of, out of this office every month. <laughs> That's amazing. So I, with that kind of exposure, I would imagine you get a lot of people kind of calling in and saying, when's the next one and how do I get in? Yeah, definitely. People are um, constantly emailing and submitting their work. 
we've been around for 10 years now. So I think we've, we've kind of got a word of mouth out there. Um, but we also have a full bank of curation specialists that okay. scout new and fresh artists as well. Cool. Um, but yeah. That's yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I, know where, I'm going to go to your website and find the calendar and see like when. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So you, you built this from scratch essentially. And, and at the same time you were, I think, trying to get the fashion business going and, and trying to work and going to school, I think at the same time. And I recall a story about Snickers and powdered vanilla lattes was your like go-to daily meal because it was enough to keep you moving. And so what I guess what I want to know is how did you balance all this and, and leverage the time to build a business like this from scratch, from the ground up? Mm -hmm. So I would say in my earlier years, I didn't manage it. <laughs> I mean, I managed it the best that I could. Sure. Um, but when I was in school and things and things like that, um, it was it's a lot of double duty, I think. Okay. And now I'll say uh, something that might be helpful for your listeners. Right. Yeah. I have what I call a beast mode balance schedule, and I beast mode balance schedule. Yes, and it's also okay. in the book. <laughs> There's awesome. an example. Um, but I kind of create that when I'm going into a heavy period of lots of work where I'm <clears throat> having to double dutch several different things at one time. Like for instance, when I was writing this book, I'm still, you know, running the company as well. It's really difficult and it takes a lot of time. So, and I didn't, and the reason it's called a balance schedule is because I didn't want to go too lopsided on, you know, I'm not going to work out or I'm not going to you know, do X, Y, or Z while I'm writing this book. I'm not going to sacrifice my health or too much sleep. There's always some element of sacrifice, right. but I'm not going to do that too much, um, essentially to make sure that I can kind of stay balanced. So it's really the concept of block schedule. Okay. So I, I pick a theme for every day, like for instance, Mondays, um, those are my kind of like, innovative project days. So like things that I need to really brainstorm on, that I need to dig into, that I need to really think on, I save Mondays for those things. Okay. Um, and then, but I break my Monday up into sections. So, you know, Monday from 9 a.m. to 10.30, I'm working on this specific project. And then because I have another 14 projects, I kind of right. block my schedule <laughs> a little bit. So I do that, um, and for big projects and things of that nature, I kind of figure out, like I said, without sacrificing too much of the things that keep me balanced and keep me going, because I think that's a big part of time management, yeah. is being able to keep your foundation level and steady enough to be able to um, do all the things you have to do, especially if you're between you know, I'm working every day, but I also have this creative project or I also have this other thing that I want to accomplish. There's going to be some time sacrifice involved in that. Sure. So staying really organized. And then I think the second part to that is really um, following the schedule that you put. <laughs> down for That's right. You didn't build yeah. that thing for nothing. <laughs> right, right. So 
that's that's what I try to do. When I was writing this book, that's I basically had my time for the gym, my time for um, work, and then come home, eat dinner, do whatever I needed to do, and then I would write from seven to eleven p.m. Okay, schedule for months. And that was your you had a an evening routine, so to speak. Yes. Yes. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I would just be completely off of my schedule and I'd say, you know what, I need to take the next four days off to work on this and just hone and, you know, really, um, dig into this project and finish this portion or this chapter or something. And then I would just be like a pajama monster for four days and do nothing (laughs) else and barely eat and barely sleep. Um, so that's, that's the other side of it too, is I, I think some of, sometimes the projects that you're double dutching in your schedule need more attention at different times and you have to go a little bit more extreme on it, (laughs) but that's how I balance myself now and how I kind of manage my time now. Right. You have a space where raw is, is housed and Mm -hmm. you have a team, I would assume, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. How did you... Say that again. A team of 60. <laughs> okay. So how'd you build that team? Um, did you just oh. place a bunch of ads in Craigslist or <laughs> no. your team as well? <laughs> in fact, I recommend you don't hire on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, it's, it's been 10 years in the making. Um, but yeah, hiring was something that I wish that I had really dealt into in the beginning. Um, I've hired over 200 people at this point. So now I kind of know what to look for and what to watch out for. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it just takes time and that time will come with experience. But I, I think defining your company's values and what you want to stick to and making sure that the, the people that you, that you have in your company, you're excited to work with, you're, you can trust them. Um, so it's, it's just to answer your question, just taking 10 years to build our team to this level. And we're still learning and we're still figuring things out uh, when it comes to that. So. And then how often do you go out on the road, like to any of the, any of the States or international showcases? Are you, are you out there a lot or do you just pretty much farm that out? No, I used to travel constantly um, when we were kind of growing to all these different communities and markets. That's something that right. um, I used to do. But now I have employees that do that and are paid to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I typically, I've been to showcases in Mexico, Canada, and Australia, all the places that we are. Um, but yes, I have not um, been traveling a ton <laughs> for work <laughs> lately. So for someone who sees your example and they think, I want to do that, I'm going to start my own company and I want to be my own CEO. How mm. would you recommend somebody, um, like what's your biggest success tip for somebody that is wanting to branch out and, and build their own thing? Oh, you have to absolutely love it and be passionate about it because having a business is really difficult. (laughs) It's challenging and it's not for the faint of heart. 
um and passion and loving what you do is the only thing that's going to push you through those like less than glamorous times so just know that you're in for a ride that's what you want to do it's going to be more expensive than you think it's going to be harder than you think it's going to take longer than you think it's going to surprise you and bend you and break you (laughs) (laughs) but it's also a very privileged place to be um there's there is a magic to being able to influence and lead people. There is, you know, working for yourself, there is, it's funny, you work way more than you would at a nine to five job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It still feels true. a little bit more like freedom sure. to a certain degree. Um, I do have, you know, there are fringe benefits <laughs> that come with being the boss. Um, I can go home right now if I want, <laughs> which a lot of people can't. I won't, but um, that's kind of, so there, there are benefits to it, but I think it's really, like I said, be really passionate and love what you do because if you don't, it's, it's not gonna survive without that passion fuel to keep you going, so. Yeah, I then I think that you wind up hating it or you, um, you resent it and it, it doesn't, yeah, I. I would imagine that there's a lot of failed entrepreneurial uh, expeditions out there because people find that they don't love it or they're, they can't love it the same way that they did before. That's why my yeah. husband refused to go to culinary school. He said, if I were to ever try to make this um, work for me, I don't think I would ever cook anything good ever again. And <laughs> I like it better when you cook good stuff. So <laughs> no school for right. you. Yeah, don't go, don't go do that as a career. <laughs> Let's talk about the book, because um, I've I've published a couple myself, um, and you're writing a a book is definitely a passion project. So, how did yours start, and um and and what did you write about? Sure. Um, well, I think we were kind of on the precipice of Ra's tenth year, and. I have had all these notes in my phone for years and years, technically. It's just little bullet points of like thoughts that I've had about certain things. Yeah. (laughs) And certain philosophies and, you know, what I've learned in business. And I started this company when I was 24 and I'm 34 now. I have a completely different um, outlook and understanding of things. Like I said, it's hard. It bends you, it breaks you. It's, you know, there's lots of different things. So I, you know, I wonder often, does it need to be this hard for everyone, you know? And I'm also kind of, I've read tons of different business books and some of them get really close to the edge, I feel, of being completely honest on what it takes, Um, but they never fully go there. And so I wanted to write a book that I wish that I had that was honest, that was just showing you all the innards and, you know, <laughs> laid out in front of you. Laid out in front Lord. of me. And I, because I also feel that this is missing in the creative community. I've worked with artists for almost 20 years at this point, and I am one myself. I consider myself one. Um, and there's, I started out in this business as a fashion designer, as just a creative, as someone who didn't want to deal with contracts or spreadsheets or budgets or money. (laughs) I was like, nope, don't want to do that. And I learned some really hard lessons that, no, you actually need to know that stuff in order to survive. And you would be 
absolutely shocked by the number of even business owners that I know that still don't want to like really deal that with that stuff. And it's the most important, you know, part of your foundation. And so, yeah, in the beginning, I didn't want to focus on any of that. And so I felt like there was, there was missing information out there mm-hmm. or not enough, or it wasn't relatable. It's like a dry textbook talking about right. you know, yeah. <laughs> um, the profit and loss and blah, blah, blah. So I felt like there's someone who needed to say something to the creative community in a way that was relatable, that could be understood from someone who's gone through it and made a lot of these horrible, stupid mistakes that are completely avoidable. <laughs> yes. Um, so I just felt like it was kind of time to write all the things that I learned down and put it in one place and put it out there to the world. That was kind of it. <laughs> what was your favorite part about writing it? I, so when I was a little kid, I want to say third grade, before I wanted to be a fashion designer, I wanted to be a writer. Oh, nice. really <laughs> funny. And I've written tons of different things, you know, through, um, throughout my years in business, but I have not, I obviously have never written a book before. So it was kind of getting back to my core and I forgot how much I enjoyed writing and how much I enjoyed making it a creative experience and putting in my thoughts and philosophies and kind of organize it. Like I forgot that I, that I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to yeah. say that that, that part of the experience was really refreshing to kind of come back to that point and be like, Huh, I really like doing this. So it was it was pretty enjoyable. Um, there were definitely times where I was like, oh God, you know, I, I definitely went on the artist journey. I was right. out. <laughs> oh my God. I wanted to throw it in a fire pit at some point and just be like, no one cares. And you narrated it yourself, <laughs> which I mean, right there is another undertaking because Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a whole other world. I haven't um narrated my own book yet, but I think the second one will be narrated. Don't do it. Don't do it? (laughs) (laughs) No. Who did hear first, people? (laughs) Yep, this is me being honest again. Um, (laughs) No, it was, it was an excruciating experience. Uh, I'm not a voice actor. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to kind of learn how to be expressive and like, I don't know. That's just kind of not my voice. I guess. So I yeah. hope it's not super monotone for you. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a painful experience. Yeah. I don't think it's monotone at all. I think it's, I like hearing from the author if the, yeah, if the author is putting yeah. their true voice into it. So I do, I do feel like I'm getting a piece of you and it's not monotone at all. Oh, um, okay. I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. Okay. So I have a super secret question that I ask all my guests. It's really not secret for anybody that follows the show, but um, (laughs) we know that we have a finite period of time in the day, 24 hours in a day. So Heidi, if you woke up tomorrow and you suddenly had a 25th hour, what might you do with that hour for yourself? Oh my goodness. That is a great question. If we're talking short term, I can really use a pedicure right now. Nice. (laughs) And we're talking long term. I would probably, I might use it to write actually. 
I think I would do that. Just whatever. Not not like a book, but just write. Just write. Just yeah. free write. <laughs> exactly. Who knows yeah. what the result of that will be? <laughs> exactly. Heidi, where can everybody find you online, on social, etc.? Yeah, they can they can go to rawartist.com if they want to check out raw. Um, for my stuff, you can go to HeidiLuera.com. Um, and then for the book, The Work of Art, they can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's on Target. Um, basically anywhere online, as you mentioned, paperback, ebook, and Audible. Um, and yeah, follow at Work of Art Book for the time being. Um, but yeah, all my social media links and all that are on my website. All right, cool. Well, we have been chatting today with Heidi Luera, and I just want to thank you so much for taking time to be on Elevate Your Eight today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Is that woman not a serious, like, force of nature, force of art, force of whatever you want to call it? Um, Heidi Luera, you have got it going on, girl, for reals. Don't forget that you can win a copy of her book, The Work of Art, by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, screenshotting that bad boy, and tagging me on Instagram at Christmas Peak, or jump on over to chrismcpeak.com forward slash Heidi. You can enter the giveaway there, and why not, you know, kick around a little while, see what else is on the website, because I've got some fun stuff there for you guys. Have an amazing week. Go do great things, and I'm outie.